God. What's up, Victory? How many happy people I got in here this morning? Wave your hand like this. Come on, do it like your goofy cousin would. Raise your hand. Amen. How many of you glad you came today? How many of you know they ought to be standing in line to get in? When's the last time you saw people standing in line to get in church? You know, we stand in line for all kind of things. This is the best thing you've ever had in your life. And there's people out there that need to know. I like what Pastor said. I dare you to bring your friends. If you'll just get them here. Every one of you here knows somebody that's not born again. Every one of you in here. Pastor knows. I know. We all know somebody that's not born again. If you'll just get them here. How many of you know God will do the rest? God will do the rest. So I just challenge you. I, I come once or twice a year, so this isn't about me. I'm just telling you for you, for your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your boss, your neighbor, whoever it is in your family and, and it's close to you that doesn't know Jesus, if you'll just get them here, God can do for them what they can't do for themselves and what you can't do for them. He can change their life. And all the things that you've been singing about and dancing about today, let me hear y'all say dancing. You know it's God when people dance in church, glory to God. So if you'll just get them here, God will do the rest. Amen? I'm so glad to be back here. As Pastor said, I've been coming 25 years. There may be some of you here. I see some faces I don't recognize. If you've never heard me, raise your hand if you've never heard me. Okay, a bunch of you. Okay, I, a quick etymology of my life. I grew up in church. How many of you here grew up in church? As he said, my fam- I come from a gospel music family. They're in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. My grandfather preached for 78 years. My dad preached for 63 years. My dad preached in 115 countries on every continent on the planet. My grandfather was a preacher. My dad was a preacher. I was a hellraiser. Just being straight up with you. I was a, how many of you here were ever rebellious? And the rest of you are still liars. Well, that's fine. We, we all have our thing. I'm just saying, and, and I don't know how that happened, but I'm so thankful that in March of 1978, March 5th to be exact, how many of you remember when you met Jesus? They used to sing a song when I was a kid. I can tell you the time. I can take you to the place. March 5th, 1978, Doraville, Georgia, about 1030 at night. We had church back then on Sunday night. I'm just going to let that wash over y'all for a minute. <laughs> and it was till 1030. Can you imagine? Spirit of God got a hold of me. I remember all the man said to me, I was walking down the aisle, and he looked at me and said, Son, if you don't mean business with Jesus, go back and sit down in that pew. Man, I had hair back then. And I remember it was blowing back, and he said it again. He said, If you don't mean business with God, go back and sit down in that pew. All I could get out was, You've got to pray for me. Nobody laid hands on me. How many of you here grew up in Pentecost? If y'all know what I mean when I say Pentecost, I didn't have people hanging on to me going, Just turn loose, son. While there was somebody on the other shoulder going, just hold on, son. None of that. All he did was point at me and say, in the name of Jesus. It's like somebody took a baseball bat and went, Whoa. That's about 9 o'clock at night. I didn't get up till after 10.30. My mom and dad kept telling me, said several times people were saying, we need to call an ambulance. I don't think he's breathing. And, and they weren't laughing. I mean, they were, and my dad said, God's doing surgery. He did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I had run my life into a pit. But I'm so glad to tell you this morning, his love went deeper than my pit. His love goes deeper than your pit. Amen? That's why we all got something to dance about today. Glory to God. So uh, that's kind of the story of my life. I have now been in ministry 44 years full time. My grandfather started preaching, Pastor Mitch, in 1924, which means next year, our family would have been in ministry continuously for one century. 100 years continuous. I, just, I can't even wrap my head around that. It's awesome. Uh, so uh, the story of our ministry, my wife Susan and I. How many of you get Susan's newsletter? Raise your hand if you get her newsletter. A bunch of how many of you enjoy it? It's good, isn't it? If you don't get it, some of you don't have your hand up. Going, what, what, you, what you talking about? I'm going to give you a dispensation right now. In fact, this is my dispensation wave. Over here, I'm giving you a dispensation. Y'all not even sure what that means. 
I'm telling you it's okay to do something you normally shouldn't do in church. Take out your cell phone. That's right, I said it. Take out your cell phone. And I want you to go to Google and just type in Susan Clout Horse Ministry. Susan Clout, K-L-A-U-D-T. There's my last name on the screen. Susan Clout Horse Ministry dot org. If you just put Susan Clout Horse Ministry, it's going to come up. When you click on that, you'll see her website. If you scroll about halfway down that website, it says something like contact us, I think. If you type your email in there, you'll start getting her newsletter. Here's why I'm telling you about this. My wife has a remarkable gift. She uses horses to teach the Bible. Sometimes she literally sits on a horse, preaches and teaches the whole service sitting on a horse. She teaches you the gospel using horses. Now, that may seem a little weird to you, but how many of you know this? The horse is mentioned in Scripture more than any other animal. How many of you here like horses? The rest of y'all, y'all know Jesus is coming back on one, don't you? (laughs) Now, how many of you like horses? Yeah. So even if you're not a horse person, even if when you were a kid somebody put you on a horse and he released you, so to speak, and said we're not good for one another. Whatever the story was, my wife has a remarkable gift because what she does is she takes what I call mirror truths. She shows you the truth and the relationship between horse and rider and how we see parallels in that between the relationship of God and man. She sends it out a couple of times a month. It's always free. We don't ask you for anything. We just want to bless you in your walk with the Lord. And so if you put your email address, you'll start getting her newsletter about twice a month. And I promise, I'm using the word promise here. I promise it'll bless you. There's nothing like it. She, she had people last year from every continent who got her newsletter all over the world. And so you can be one of those. Just put your email address in there. Now you can put your phone up. And I got a good word for you today. When I was praying, Pastor called me this week. And he shared with me how he's been, he said, we're not doing two services, we're combining the one, and we're just letting God move. We're letting the Holy Ghost have his way. And so I got to thinking, how how would I minister in that kind of a context? Because I'm typically a teaching ministry. And I got to thinking as I was listening, and I was watching, and I was experiencing like you were, this incredible move of God, and this joy that was welling up inside of us. Now, how many of you understand that the purpose of God is he wants to take what you've been feeling for the last 30 or 40 minutes in your spirit, and confirm that into your mind so that what you felt this morning is what you think the rest of the week. So that what you felt and experienced in your spirit this morning is how you think the rest of the week. It's how you think when you have trouble and hardship. It's how you think when you have shaking in your life. And so I'm going to break down this morning. Let me y'all say break it down. I want to break down for you this morning how that is God's plan and purpose for your life. And we're going to start with Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, we got it up on the screen where you can see it. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. How many of you know he's saying our because he is an hour? Right? How many of you know God speaks in the plural because he is a plural? Everybody in that side of the room, let me hear y'all say, he's a trinity. Say it with an exclamatory fashion from the back of the throat. He's a trinity. He is indeed. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so here's the first thing you need to understand is when he created you, you were created in his image. This is more than just if you're a car guy and being built on the same chassis or a computer person built with the same motherboard. You have been created in his image in that he's a trinity. You're a trinity. Let me hear y'all say, he's a trinity. Let me hear y'all say, I'm a trinity. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are spirit, soul, and body. Say it this way. I am a spirit. That's the real you. Paul called him the hidden man of the heart. The real you is the part we can't see. Amen? The real you is the part we can't see. The hidden man of the heart. Say it again. I am a spirit. I have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. And then your body is your earth suit. How many of you understand this isn't the real you? Isn't it remarkable how much time we spend on this? What it isn't the real you? Say it. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. And so God's intent is for all three of those things to work together as a unit. But it starts with the spirit man. 
It starts with a spirit man. How many of you know when you got born again? Well, let me just ask it in the form of a question. How many of you, when you got born again, you got a new brain? Some of y'all had to think about it, which is proof you didn't. <laughs> and some of you said, I think I did, which is proof you didn't. No, you didn't get a new brain. God didn't change your mind. And you know why He didn't change your mind? The answer is simple. Because you can. Ladies. All the estrogen room knows, that's my spiritual gift. <laughs> to change your mind. That's right. That's your, that is your gift. I'm married to one of you. I know how that works. And so, God didn't change your mind because you can. When you got born again, did you get a new body? How many of you are more bummed about that than the brain deal? <laughs> You're know, like, this body's taking me as far as I can. Could we do something here? Well, the Bible teaches when you get to heaven, you'll get a new one. But until then, the Bible teaches that, in fact, what God changes in you is the part you couldn't. So you can change your mind. Everybody put your hand on your hip. That's impressive. You've done this before, haven't you? Oh, she's been married for 43 years, so she's familiar with changing her mind. And so is her husband. That's right. Let me all say, I've changed my mind. Right. So God didn't change your mind because you can, and He didn't change your body because, let's be real, you can change that too. I've been married for 43 years to a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. That's right. And sometimes she was all three at once. <laughs> Same woman, you understand. How many of you know today if you've got a credit card, you can add to your body? Y'all have watched Discovery Channel. Y'all know. You can add to it. You can subtract to it, right? They can take stuff from here and put it there. When you walk in the room, all the women will go, she's had work. So God doesn't change your brain because you can. God doesn't change your body because you can. He changes the part of you. You can never change your heart. That's what God was doing when I was laying out flat that night. He was changing my heart. And so if we look in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, he breaks this down. He shows this very clear. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that you present your what? Your body as a what? How many of you know those seems like mutually exclusive terms? A living sacrifice. Because how many of you know when you think of a sacrifice, how many of you know a sacrifice means it's dead? And yet Paul's saying you need to kill. But how many of you know what he's saying is you need to kill your body? Agreed? You need to put to death the deeds of your body. Because how many of you know when I grew up in church, church I grew up in hell had two syllables. hey yo. I remember back in the day before I got born again, I'd come to church and the, the committee of the concerned, as I called them. As soon as I came in, they'd cut me out of the herd and they'd get me over in the corner of the lobby. Where you been, boy? You was in that club last night, weren't you, boy? Listening to that loud guitar music, were you, boy? Dancing, were you? It was hot in there, wasn't it, son? You was hot and sweaty, weren't you, boy? I remember thinking, were you there? Because, <laughs> I mean, you're spot on. That, that is what was happening. And then they'd say to me, you know what else is hot, son? Hey, y'all! <laughs> How many know it's the deeds of your body that'll take you straight to hell? So Paul's saying, you got to put to death. You need to make a living sacrifice out of your body. Amen? He says, that is your proper worship on him. Then look at verse 2. He says, and don't conform to the patterns of the women on the view. I'm sorry. The world. Same difference. How many of you know if you think like them, you'll talk like them? How many of you know you think like them, you talk like them, you're going to get what they get? You don't want that. So don't conform to the patterns of the world. Don't act like they act. Don't value the things they value. Don't chase after the things they chafed after. But be ye what? Does it say transitioned? 
Boy, the world's big on that, aren't they? It is something we've gotten so remedial, we don't know the difference in men and women. We've known since Genesis he made them male and female. There's people out there today who want you to think there's no difference. Now, come on, y'all. Y'all know. How many of y'all remember, quit being church people for a minute. How many of y'all remember when you discovered there's a difference? That was a Shazam moment, wasn't it? <laughs> he made us that way. That was God's plan. A lot of talk today about transition. How many of you know you can take all the scalpels you want, all the hormones you want? Only God can transform. But be ye what? Transformed. The world will always pervert God's truth. They want a transition. Only God can transform. And that's what he's called you and I to. Be ye transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. I said at the beginning, what needs to happen when you walk out of here today is all the things you've experienced, all the things you've felt, all the things that made you dance needs to go from here to here. So that what you've been feeling is what you start thinking Because how many of you know as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are what you think, amen? Now here's what I want to ask you. We're just, what, 8, 10, 12 weeks into this new year. How many of you want tomorrow to be better than today? That's why you're here this morning, isn't it? Let's be real. You could have been anywhere on a pretty March morning, but you came here at 9 o'clock in the morning because you want tomorrow to be better than yesterday was, don't you? How many of you want next month to be better than this month? How many of y'all want next year to be better than this year? How many want this year to be better than last year? We all do. That's why you're here. So what is it going to take? What are you going to do this year you didn't do last year? How is it going to be? A lot of people think their life could be better if they just weren't married to... <laughs> you ever ask somebody how you doing? They're like, you do the math. And they're unhappy and they blame it all on who they married. Other people didn't who they're married to, it's where they live. I mean, clearly it's none of you. But how many of you know somebody that complains about where they live? I live in the land of broken. I'm so tired of bungee cords and duct tape holding my house up. If I just had a decent house, I'd smile if I could have a decent house. Some of them didn't who they're married to, it isn't where they live, it's their car. Every car I get tears up. I'm so tired of rolling the window down. I mean, if you're rolling the window down, you ought to be tired. (laughs) Reaching to the outside door handle just to get out. Some people didn't where they live, didn't who they're married to. It's not their car, it's their job. If I just had a decent job where I was paid what I was worth, See, in other words, people say, if everything in my life around me changed, well, then I could be happy. How many of you know that isn't God how God rolls? He rarely does his work from the outside in. My experience is he does his work from the inside out. So can we agree, if tomorrow's going to be better, if next month is going to be better, if next year is going to be better, what needs to change is not your husband. Try as you might to change him. How many know God can do what you can't, ladies? He can change you. Amen. So you don't need a new car. New car be nice. How many know that's not going to change your life? That's not going to change your future. But if you changed your mind, if you were transformed by the renewing of your mind, then when you walked out of these doors, you would be thinking what you've been feeling for the last 45 minutes. If you understand what I'm saying, wave your hand like this. That's how where the name of this church goes from being a title to a lifestyle. You literally move into victory. You stop thinking like a victim and you start thinking like a victor. 
See, everybody in this room probably has had something happen to you that could make you feel like a victim. You've all been hurt. You've all been done wrong. There's no question you were victimized. That can only define you if you allow it to, if you choose to. And so what I want to talk about today is changing how you think about the events of your life. How you think about your past, how you think about your present, and how you think about your future. And how many of you know Jesus is our example in everything? Jesus is the one who touched all this. And so our text for today is Matthew chapter 12. And we're going to begin with verse 33. Everybody say, break it down. Break it down. How many of you know Jesus was the ultimate at breaking it down? See, Pastor Mitch knows the word. I know the word. Jesus is the word. Come on, y'all. So he says, how, whenever you study the word, how many of you here have a copy of Vine's Expository Dictionary of Greek's Words? How many of you have Strong's Exhaustive Concordance? How many of you here on your third copy of both? Glory to God. That's right. If you're a student of the word, if you say, I'm, I'm old school, I, I don't do it online or on the man, I got four and five copies all in books out on my desk, and I, I'm loving it, and I'm getting it. Oh, yeah, I get excited. I've learned that if you're going to be a student of the Word, everybody look at me. If you're going to be a student of the Word, every word matters. How many of you here have learned every word you say matters? Come on, y'all. How many married people I got here this morning? Y'all know every word. You'll be held accountable. God's not the only one holds you accountable for every word you've spoken. So if every word you say matters, you know every word God said matters. Amen? And so when we look at this scripture, this is Jesus teaching about what we're talking about today, of your thought life. I want you to notice the first word. The first word of his teaching. When you look up there, what is the very first word? Either. How many here, when you hear the word either, here's the power of words. You hear a word, it makes you think of another word. You hear a word, it gives you a vision of something. When you hear the word either, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Choice, of course. Coming here in the back row, people are like, I'm on the back row, I'm untouchable. Not with me. Either. Either means you have a choice. So Jesus is actually talking about choice. Everybody say choice. His subject matter was choices. He says, either make. How many of you know once you've got to make, you've made your choice? Right? He says, either make a tree what? How many of you know everything in life is a choice? I hear people today talking about, I'm walking, how many of y'all have heard this? I'm walking in my own truth. You know, I'm just having to walk in my own truth. How many of you know what they're really saying is, I'm totally deceived, I'm following a lie. And I just want you to know it. That's what your truth is. How many of you know there's no truth in you? The Bible says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Desperately wicked. God's the only one that's good. He is the only truth. You ain't got no truth. Our truth will wither up and burn when we stand before Him. It's only the Him you have in you that will stand. So He says, either make a tree good and it's true to be good. How many of you know every choice? People say, I'm walking in my own choice. How many of you know God broke everything in life down to choices and He only said there's two choices. It's good or evil. It's life or death. It's blessings or curses. There are no other truths. Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. That's right. There are, I don't care what they tell you. There are no other choices. There's only male and female. There are no other choices. So you're either making the tree good, and what will be the consequence? It's fruit will be good. Or you'll make the tree bad and what will be the consequence? It's fruit will be corrupt. For a tree is known how? How many of you here can recognize a tree by its fruit? I mean, I can to an extent. I mean, if it's like an apple tree or a pear. If there's apples or pears or peaches, it gets a little nebulous after that. You know, I got maybe a top 10 that I can say, well, that's and after that, if you say, what kind of tree is it? I'm just like, well, it's a big one. 
But how many of you know every tree bears fruit? See, here's the deal. How many of you know the Lord told uh, Adam and Eve, he said, I'll give you some trees that will bear fruit you can eat, some trees that will bear a, a seed you can eat, but how many of you know there's some trees that don't bear a seed or a fruit? But how many of you know they still bear fruit? They still produce in your life. How many of you here like to breathe? That's what I thought. Brother, that's funny. I saw you thinking, I, I guess I have to raise my hand. That's right. He was like, we all like to breathe. How many of you know oxygen don't come in a bottle? Where's oxygen come from? Trees. Trees that don't bear a seed, don't bear a fruit, still produce in your life. So how many of you know every tree is good? And yet Jesus said a tree could be good or bad. What makes it good or bad? What's the first word? Either. Choices. Choices. Now how many of you know when Jesus taught, he wasn't there to really talk about arborism. He wasn't there to speak horticulture. But he spoke in parables. He gave word pictures to illustrate his truth. And to show you his transition... Look at what he says in verse 34. You generation of vipers, called them snakes. How can you be evil, say anything good, for out of the overflow of the heart, what does the mouth do? It speaks. Here's how I teach it. Let me hear you say, my mouth, my mouth bears, fruit. bears fruit. How many do every time you open your mouth, you're sowing seed? Now you know what King David said, put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Because every time you open your mouth, you're sowing seed. Say every time. Every say any time. Say all the time. Every time, any time, all the time that you open your mouth, you're sowing seed. You're walking around with a big bag of seed and just pouring it out. Now, how many of you know if all that comes out of your mouth is ragweed, that's all you're getting? Because how many of you know the Bible says you will reap what you sow? Genesis 8.22 tells us as long as the earth endures, you'll always have seed time and harvest. But how many of you know if what you're speaking is life? If when you open your mouth, love comes out. If when you open your mouth, compassion comes out. How I many of you know that's going to bear fruit in your life? Say every time. Say any time. All the time. Here's another way I say it. Say my mouth advertises the condition of my heart. Yes, it does. Your mouth is an advertising campaign for what's going on in your heart. I'm just going to let you see law and think about that a minute. Your mouth is an advertising campaign for what's going on in your heart. Your mouth, you, you don't want to tell. Can you imagine if everybody in this room right now knew what you were thinking? I mean, you know, that person sitting next to you may not sit next to you anymore. I don't even know who you are anymore. That's what you were thinking. But how many of you know over time, everything you're thinking and everything that's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth? And it's probably going to come out when you don't want it to. Come on, y'all. How many of y'all have lived a little? Yeah. How many of you have ever said something you wish you had not said? You know why you did? Because you can't keep it in. You can't, because what's inside is going to come out. Your mouth advertises what's going on in your heart. That's why he said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, in verse 35, Jesus really gets down to it. He quits speaking in parables, and he just goes directly to the deal. And he says, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. Let's just stop there. We can all acknowledge, I think we all came to agreement, there's no such thing as a bad tree, right? Because, I mean, every tree gives you oxygen. It takes what we exhale that is actually toxic to us, and with the sun's energy and a process called photosynthesis, it literally takes what is toxic to us and returns it to us as pure oxygen. Let me hear you all say, Shazam. That's right. God intended that. God, and to think, there's people out there that want you to think that came from a bang. A bang. 
But that's God's plan. He put it in place from the beginning. And so how many of you know in the same way there's no such thing as a bad tree? Look at verse 33 again. Pull up verse 33, brother. It, what's the first word? And what's The only way a tree becomes bad is if you make it bad. Its fruit will be bad. Right? So look at verse 35. He says a good man. How many know there's no difference in people when they're born? There's not some people who are good and some that are bad. Now, I know out there, there's people, won't you think, there absolutely is a difference. And it's predicated on how much pigment you have in your skin. Can we talk here? You talk out there? Why don't we talk in here? People out there want you to think, based on how much pigment you have in your skin, you're either good or bad. That if your skin's this color, you're inherently good. And if your skin's that color, you're inherently bad. And it depends on which ditch you're in as to which color they're making good or bad. Come on, y'all. I mean, there's nobody that's born good anymore than there's people that are born bad. You come from bad seed. You were born bad. Your dad may have told you that, but how many of you know your daddy was a liar? Your mama may have told you that. How many of you know she was lying? If anybody ever told you you were born bad and you came from bad seed, that's a lie. Nobody's born good. Nobody's born bad. How is it that people become good or bad? Choices. Either. Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. So he says, a good man. How did he become good? How many know there's some people that have a problem with this scripture because he uses the word man? Some people out there don't think a man can be good. He's toxic. Come on, y'all, don't act like you hadn't heard me. Don't give me that straight face. You know, you've heard it too. People out there don't even want you to think, I, I marvel when they want you to think there's no difference in men and women. How many married men do I have here? Raise your hand, guys. If you're, how many of you glad your wife don't look like you? That's right. There's people out there have got this. So how many of you know if you're not tied to the reality of biology, you're not tied to any reality. And that's what people out there have done. They have completely abandoned any reality of this life. How many of you know we live in a carnal realm where there is reality? And one of them is he made them male or female. And you can take all the hormones you want. Go under all the the scaffolds you want. But how many of you know at the end of the day, you're male or female? Not because of what bathing suit you have on. I mean, it must be a woman. I'm wearing a woman's bathing suit. No. You know how we'll know what you are? DNA. It don't matter how many things you've had added or how many things you've had cut off. At the end of the day, your DNA will tell the truth. And you don't even have to be alive for us to know. You can be dead, dead a hundred years, dig your bones up, do a DNA. That's a man. Come on, y'all. I'm just telling you the truth. So when Jesus said a good man, what is it that makes him good? If it isn't his mom and dad, if it isn't the color of his skin, if it isn't how much his chromosomes are, what is it that makes a man good? Go back to verse 34. Well, actually, that's fine. Verse 35, that's good. He says, a good man out of the good what? Treasure. Treasure. Remember I said the power word, you hear one word, you think of another? Now, don't just holler it out, raise your hand. When you hear the word treasure, because that's the operative word here, the good man out of the good treasure. When you hear the word treasure, what do you think of? Raise your hand if you have an answer. Yes, ma'am. Wealth. I thought you raised your hand. I'm sorry. But she's like, no, no, I'm just gesturing. Okay, <laughs> you, sir. Huh? Value. All right? 
There's a difference, by the way, of estrogen and testosterone. Wealth, value. Practical, value. Anybody else? What do you think of when you hear the word treasure? Raise your hand. Yes, sir? Huh? A treasure chest. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, sir? Gold? He said what I said. Okay, okay, that's fine. I have to tell you, all of you are more spiritual than me. Because you know what I think of when I think of the word treasure, Pastor? Pirates! R-D-R! I think of a patch and a peg leg. R-D-R! Come on, let me hear all the men in the room. R-D-R! Can a woman be a pirate? Today she can. Let me hear you girls on three. One, two, three. R-D-R! I think a woman pirate be more scary than a man pirate any day. Everybody in the room do it on three. One, two, three. That's what I think of. I think of pirates because I'm thinking of the pirate's chest. Every story you've heard about treasure, everybody's looking for the pirate's treasure. And they all want the map because they want to know where it's what? Buried. Thank you. How many of you went with me on that word trip? So now, if you connected those dots, look at what Jesus is saying. The good man is good because of what he treasures. What he treasures. How many of you remember reading the story of when the angels came to Mary and told her she was going to be pregnant by the Holy Ghost? She's a young girl. I bet you there's been a bunch of young girls got pregnant that said, I don't know how this happened. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Mary's the only one that could say, I don't know how this happened. Right? Right? Because she, never, she never lay with a man, and yet she conceived by the Holy Ghost. And the angels came to her and broke it down for her. And she listened to that whole thing, and the Bible says, and Mary treasured. Where does the Bible say she treasured them? And you see, what I'm talking about today, and more importantly, what Jesus is talking about today, is when you start taking what you treasure here, and putting it here. I said earlier, so did you go from a place where what you've been feeling and enjoying and experiencing this morning goes with you out of these doors, so now it goes beyond here, and it goes to here, so that your mind is renewed. How does that happen? By what you treasure. The good man is good, not because who his mom and dad are, not because of where he went to school, not because he's a Duke man instead of a Carolina man, not because he was a Falcons fan instead of a Panthers fan. Although, I have to agree, that man would have great insight. (laughs) Uh, Just a little bias, that's right. Not much, you understand. No. People are good or bad because of choices. And you choose what you treasure. Whatever you choose is your treasure. How many of you know your life is full of intersections? And every time you come to a Y on your road where you have a choice, whatever you choose, you're adding that to your treasure. And whatever you treasure will be your eternity. Come on, y'all. I just said something. Whatever you treasure not only becomes your this point reality, it becomes your eternity. Now the good man, from the good treasure his his heart, bringeth forth good things. When does he bring those things forth? All the time. But how many of you know the most important time of what you've been treasuring is when hardship comes in your life? I asked you before, how many of you here have been hurt? Everybody in this room raised your hand. Let's just confirm that in this section. How many of y'all been hurt bad enough it made you cry? I don't mean physical, but I'm talking about somebody emotionally affecting you to the point of moving you to tears. How about this section? How many of y'all been hurt bad enough it made you cry? Everybody in this room. How many of you been hurt bad enough somebody did something to you? In a room this big, there's people here who have been abused as a child. 
physically, emotionally, sexually. I don't know anything worse could happen to someone than a little child, a little baby, a little innocent be wronged in that way. And there's those of you in this room, that's exactly what happened to you. And there's no question that is being victimized. But how many of you know that can only define who you are if you allow it? If you treasure it. What does treasure mean? Treasure is anything you think. How do you treasure things? Well, let me just show you. Let me give you a word picture and I'm going to get you to help. Everybody take your right hand. Hold your right hand up just so I can see that you have one. Good. Now, I want you to place it on your chin and I want you to cock your head at about a 30 degree angle and go. That's how you treasure. You think. You think. How many of you know your life is always moving in the direction of your most dominant thought? Your life is always moving in the direction. Whatever you think, that's what you're thinking, and that's what you'll have. And every time you come to an intersection, you may act like, oh, I just don't. Oh, oh, oh. At the end of the day, you're going to choose what your dominant thought says. Well, you know, every time we have a choice, this is where we go. Wave your hands. I know that's right. Come on, wave your hands. Say, I know that's right. That's right. Your dominant thought is a bully. And every time you have a choice, and what are the choices? They're real simple, life or death. Blessings or curses, right or wrong. And every time you come to that choice, your dominant thought says, huh, hold on. This is what we always choose. How many know that's why you got to change your mind? See, some of you got up today with a big smile on your face. Everybody smile. Come on, everybody over here. Let me see y'all smile. It don't count if I can't see your teeth. Everybody, everybody, they may not be your teeth, but I want you to <laughs> smile anyhow. Come on, y'all, smile. Good. Over here, let me see y'all all smile. See, you may got up today with a smile on your face and a bounce in your step, or you may have got up today hanging your head. You know, I've learned you can tell by looking at people if they think about themselves too much. How many of you know if you think about him, you're going to hold your head up and smile, right? He's the glory and the lifter of my head. How many of you know if you think about you? Oh, man. And the more you think about you, the lower you get. I got to pay my taxes next month. My mother-in-law's coming over today. Oh, God. I mean, you know, that's why we start the service with praise and worship. It's not because we don't know what to do with the first 30 or 40 minutes. How many of you know, while you were up here dancing and shouting, maybe for the first time this week, you got your mind off of you? You got your mind off of you? No wonder you were dancing. No wonder you had the joy of the Lord. You quit thinking about you for a while. And how many of you know what you think, what you treasure is going to come out when the shaking comes? See, and how many of you know when you're done wrong, when you're victimized, that's shaking. You may not have been victimized as a child. It may not have happened until you got married. And now you've got a, a mate who's treating you wrong. Abusing you, maybe emotionally, physically. Odds are in this room, that's happened to somebody too. That's just, that's the world we live in. Say it, be real. But how many of you know that can only define you if you allow yourself to treasure that? Because see, here's the deal. If you're victimized and people do you wrong and that's what you choose to treasure, then you're going to be like the person that's in the last part of this verse. The evil man. He's not evil because of who his mom and dad are. He's not evil because of the color of his skin or his gender. And you're saying, well, wait a minute. Are you saying I'm evil because somebody did me wrong? No, but all your life you're going to have people do you wrong. It's coming. There may be worse wrongs coming in your future. 
But how many of you know it isn't what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. And how do you change how you respond to it? You allow what's happened to you in here to happen to you here. You treasure, I'm more than a conqueror. Oh, I may have been victimized, but that don't define me. Say this to me, I've been hurt. I've been done wrong. No denying it. But that does not define me. Just because I was victimized does not make me a victim. See, you're only a victim if you choose to treasure that. There are people out there that want you to think if you've ever been victimized, you'll always be a victim. That's a lie. That's their, they're walking in their own truth, and their truth is a lie. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says he'll make you more than a conqueror, an overcomer in this life. He'll move you from being a victim to a victor. Let's be real. Every one of you in this room, I said, you either get up with a smile on your face and hang in your head. You know why that is? You got up today. You went to bed last night. You've listened to everything that's happened in this service today. You've listened to everything I've said. You're interpreting everything I've said based on your viewpoint as a victim or a victor. Every one of you in this room identifies as one or the other. You're nodding your head right now as a victim or a victor. You're one or the other. Let me tell you what you will never be. Both. You can't come in here and dance on Sunday morning. I'm a victor. And walk out of here and say. I teased y'all one time here. I said some of y'all did 23 of me. And it come back and showed a picture of Eeyore. See, there's some people, that's just the way they think. Oh, 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 Lord. No. If you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you've been redeemed from the curses of sin and death, you're no longer a victim. Doesn't mean you weren't done wrong. Doesn't mean something didn't happen to you. Doesn't mean you weren't divorced. Doesn't mean you haven't declared bankruptcy. Doesn't mean you weren't raped. Doesn't mean you weren't done wrong. Doesn't mean somebody lied to you. Doesn't mean somebody abused you. What it does mean is that no longer defines you. Come on, y'all. Take it from here to here. That's your challenge today. Take what you felt this morning in our praise and worship time and let that be how you think. Let that be what you treasure. So that then when the shaking comes in your life, all that comes out is the Word of God. Not what you say, but what He says. How I many know oh, He said you're the head, not the tail? He said you're a lender, not a borrower. He said you're above and not beneath. He said you get up blessed, of course you go to bed blessed. He said whether you're in town or you in the country, what are you? Blessed. How many like what he said better than what you've said? Yeah. Amen. Let me hear y'all say, I heard what he said. Come on, say it. I heard what he said. I like what he said. Man, if he looks at you and says, you're no longer cursed by sin and death. You can come boldly under my throne of grace. You can come in here and know that you have enemies that rise up you in one way. They'll flee from you in a dozen. Say it, I heard what he said. Now say this, I like what he said. Say it again, I like what he said. Say, I believe what he said. Now let me hear you say, I say what he says. You want tomorrow to be better? You want next month to be better? You want next year to be better? You don't need a new husband. You don't need a new car. Just start changing what you think. Start thinking what he says. So that when trouble comes, when shaking comes, when tragedy comes, your response is the Word of God. Because I'm going to tell you something. Pastor said something a while ago. It's so important. We, we are literally living in the generation. How many of you have noticed every time when you get up and read the headlines, it's like reading Old Testament prophecy. And he told you something that's true, and you needed to listen to him. 
He said, we're going to see the elevation. We're going to see the promotion of a man that the Bible calls the Antichrist. The world will call a great leader, an enlightened we're not sure yet what her pronouns or his pronouns will be. But how many of you know you and I are living in that time? And you're going to have what you think. You're going to have what you say. You need to get it down in your spirit right now. And then you need to get it into your mind. Put your hand on your hip. Say it. I've changed my mind. How many of you know sometimes that's as simple as saying what the Word of God says about you every day? Every day. Reminding yourself of the blessings of God. That He said you're a lender, not a borrower. He said you're the head and not the tail. I mean, I'll say, I heard what He said. I say what He says. So that every time challenges come, somebody looks at you and says, you'll never amount to anything. I'm sorry I don't love you anymore. I want a divorce. I'm sorry you're behind on your car payment. We're going to have to repossess. You're going to be evicted. When any of those negative things come, you can say, wait a minute. My story is his story. Say it again. What he says, that's what I say. What he says, that's what I believe. What he says, that's who I am. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This has been an incredible day. And every Sunday is going to be like this. See, y'all may come here next week and wonder, will the Smiths be here? Will the Joneses be here? Wonder if Ed will be here. You know what you're not going to wonder? Will the Spirit of God be here? You've never had to wonder that. Every time you come in here, there's anointed praise and worship that begins to be something that lets you think about Him instead of yourself. And there's been people here today, perhaps, who have not come to church before. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've been coming for years and you've never said yes to Jesus. Think of all the things you've had opportunity to say yes to. You probably can't believe some of the stuff you've said yes to. But if you've never said yes to Jesus, you've missed the greatest opportunity of your life. And that's what's before you right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, if you've never stopped everything in your life and said, wait a minute, I just want to admit I'm a sinner. I want to admit I've done wrong. I want to admit my life is broken and I can't fix, I have no truth. I need a Savior. I'm saying out loud, I need a Savior. I'm saying it out loud, I need healing. I'm saying it out loud, I need love. I'm saying it out loud, I need forgiveness. If you've never done that, if you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart and change me from the inside out, then this is the most wonderful opportunity you've had in your lifetime that's before you right now. And here's what's cool. You don't need a password. You don't need a pen. There's no forms to fill out. There's no lines to stand in. The Apostle Paul said, here's how it works. You believe in your heart that He loves you, and then you confess it with your mouth. You simply believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins, and then you confess it with your mouth. If you've never said yes to Jesus, but you're ready. If you'd like to exchange heartbreak for joy, if you'd like to exchange depression for hope, if you'd like to exchange anger for peace and unforgiveness for mercy, in short, if you'd like to exchange death for life, that's exactly what He will do. He will straight up exchange His life for yours. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He took Yours and my sins. He took our failures upon Himself that we could become as He is. And it's as simple as believing that in your heart, confessing with your mouth, and then following Him with your whole heart. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never asked Jesus in your life, but you're ready today, if you'd like to have an opportunity to live, to have love, to have peace, to have victory, then I want you to do something simple. Just right where you're seated. 
I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm just going to pray for you right where you're seated. But if that's you, I want you to do something simple and just raise your hand right now where I can see it. Do it right now. Just raise it high enough where I can see. I see you can put it down. Who else would say this is for me? I see you. You can put it down. I see you. I see you. I see you. That's five. Church, pray. God's moving. Who else would say this is for me? Who else? I see you. That's six. Church, pray. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to rush because I'm going to tell you something. The night I got born again, the man had to ask three times before I walked forward. And so I'm going to ask a third time. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, but you're ready today and you haven't already raised your hand, do it now. Just see it high enough where I can see it. I just want to pray with you. Who else is there? The Bible says when just one person says yes, I see you, that's seven. The Bible says when just one person says yes, every angel in heaven rejoices. We got seven people today, church, who've said this is for me, I'm ready. Now here's what I want. I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer out loud with these who have raised their hand. Father, I thank you for loving me and for sending your son to die that I might live. I thank you that by his shed blood my sins are now forgiven. And by his resurrection I now have eternal life. I believe that in my heart and I'm confessing it with my mouth. I'm no longer a victim. I'm a victor. And I will never look back. My life is ahead of me. The greatest days of my life. The happiest days of my life. The most productive days of my life. The most prosperous days of my life. The greatest times of my life are ahead of me in Jesus' name. And Father, I give you glory today. With my whole heart, which is changed. In Jesus' name. I want everybody in the room now to raise both hands. Everybody, 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 everybody. Whoever it was that led you in that prayer. Maybe it was Pastor Mitch. Maybe it was a childhood pastor when you were growing up. Maybe it was your mom or dad that looked at you and said, Son, you don't need a program. You need Jesus. Maybe it was me when I was here on another visit. Whoever it was that loved you enough to lead you in that prayer. Thank God for them today. Thank God for them today. And now here's what I want you to do. I want everyone in this room to begin to visualize who God's going to use you to lead in that prayer. Because I said it at the outset, every one of you in this room knows somebody that's not born again. You all know somebody who who ought to be in that chair next to you. Every chair in this room ought to be full. We ought to be having to buy more chairs, y'all. Because I'm telling you, everybody in Garner, everybody in Raleigh is desperate for what you've had the opportunity to receive this morning. Love them enough to bring them with you. Amen. I want everybody in the room, point at a chair that's empty that's near you. And say this to me, God is using me. The testimony of my life. The boldness of my love. God is using me to fill this chair in Jesus' name. That's right. That's what he wants to do. How many of you know everything is evaluated by the fruit it produces? You and I will stand before heaven and it's not what's on our business card or on our website that will tell who we are. It's the fruit our life has produced. And there's an opportunity for you here to produce fruit by those that you bring, those that you love. Those. How many of you know he died for that woman that's walking the streets tonight? He died for those people you see standing at the corner holding up a sign. He died for those people who are getting free needles from our drugs-induced government. He died for all of them. But how will they know? At least we tell them. Don't keep it bottled up in here. What you've experienced this morning, what you felt, the joy that made you dance, get it here. Live it out there. Amen. Say it. It's done in my life in Jesus' name.